The following audio is from Fellowship Church in Nederland, Texas. Our mission, to love God, love others, and make disciples. For more information about fellowship, visit fellowshiptx.org. 2021 is over with. It's done. Yeah, some of you are excited about that. Uh, I feel like most people would like to forget all about 2021. Let it go, right? Uh, But before we do that, before we jump right on into 2022, I want to take a minute this morning to reflect on 2021. I think assessing our past is equally important as envisioning our future. As a church, we obviously want to be looking ahead, but there's an important part of looking back and, and assessing, right? Just like football teams assess the film of their last game or teachers assess their students with midterms and finals, uh, I think it's good for us to look back and see see how we've done. Uh, for those of you who were here uh, in January of 2021, I preached a sermon series called Move 2021, um, and I issued a challenge that we would not be a church that just kind of runs in place with programs and um, Bible studies and just all the stuff that you know churches can get lost in, of just checking all the boxes of having all these things for their people but that we would be a church that lives on mission to accomplish the mission that, that, that God has given us to, to make disciples, right? And over uh, several weeks, um, we talked about what that looks like uh, for, us, for us as a church, right? Uh, John 20, verse 19 says, When it was evening on that first day of the week, the disciples were gathered together with the doors locked because they feared the Jews. Jesus came, stood among them, and said to them, Peace be with you. Having said this, he showed them his hands and his sides, so the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And after he said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. So there's this moment, this encounter with Christ, the resurrected Christ, right? Something changes. The disciples are incredibly fearful. They're running. They're hiding as Jesus is crucified, and then there's this this moment with the resurrected Christ that changes everything for them, right? We know that after this moment, they go and they give their lives for the cause of the gospel, right? And so we kind of talked about that, that we as believers, we've had an encounter with the resurrected Christ, right? We've given our life to Christ. Christ has spoken to us. He's revealed the truth of the gospel in our hearts through the Spirit, and we have professed that, and now that should radically change our lives. And so now we live on mission, right? What's the mission? He says, just as the Father sent me, so I also send you, right? So we talked about that, that we as a church shouldn't be about programs and all the checkboxes that churches are about, but we should live on mission about reaching the lost world around us, right? We should love our community. We should love the world around us in in such a way that we go out and profess the glory of God. We profess the gospel, the good news. And so we spent several weeks talking about how we accomplish that goal as a church. We talked about uh, gathering, that, that there's... Uh, that as a church, we should gather together and not just so that we can come to church, right? Just, just coming to church means nothing, but that we, we gather so that we can live in Christ-centered community, right? That we, we, we keep each other accountable. We walk together in Christ-centered community. We talked about the fact that we do that as growing, right? That we grow for a purpose. We grow in maturity so that we can go and be equipped to do things that God has called us to do. We talked about uh, the fact that we give, we give of our time and our energy and our, our resources so that, again, so that we can go, so that we can uh, 
advance the kingdom. And then we talked about the fact that we do that by actually going locally here in Southeast Texas, telling your neighbor about Jesus, being involved with projects here in Southeast Texas, as well as all over the world, right? So the question is, were those just another Sunday sermon? Uh, Was it just words that we heard? Or have we been doers of the word? Well, people like to make fun of me because I'm a numbers guy. Julian likes to call me a nerd for that. Um, but I, uh, I, I like numbers because numbers tell a, a story. They tell a true story, right? Because you can be like, man, it was an awesome year. We did really awesome things. We grew as a church. And then you go back and look at the numbers and be like, oh, maybe we didn't actually. Maybe it was just in my head, right? But numbers tell a true story. So you can go back and see and assess, all right? And so when I went back and looked over 2021, there was a lot to get excited about. There really was. And so what I want to do before we get going too far this morning is I want to share some of that exciting stuff with you, all right? So first off, um, in 2021, 13 people surrendered their lives to Jesus uh, here at Fellowship. Yeah. And the cool thing about that statistic is that's the most people that have given their life to Christ here at Fellowship since before 2013. We... uh, my records that I have go back as far as 2013, okay? So that's the most that we've had. 17 people took a step of obedience and were baptized. Nine of those were adults. Again, that's the most that we've had here at Fellowship since before 2013. Yeah. And here's a crazy statistic. 48 people joined the Fellowship family in 2021. which, again, is the most people since 2013, all right? So all three of those statistics, the most we've had since uh, the data that we have goes back. Now, we have cards and stuff, but that would take me forever to do. So we just go back to 2013. Um, we, we saw an 8% increase in worship attendance, which was great. Um, as far as the, the, the task of, of growing, right? We said fellowship grows. We, we issued that challenge. As far as that goes, uh, we added a new growth group for young families because... Uh, the mixed class had grown so much that it was too big to really facilitate discussion. The classroom was too full, so we, we split that one in half. Now we've got the mix, and the remix was the most creative way that they come up with the name. Um, we also have a really cool thing. We have a new class starting next week uh, for uh, what we're calling empty nesters, so people that 50 to 70 range. Um, this is a cool st- statistic. 114 people uh, went through our equipped classes and were equipped to defend and share their faith. Uh, they were equipped with a better understanding of the Old Testament and prayer. So that's, re- that's an amazing statistic to me. 114 people went through. They were equipped to go share their faith. You were challenged to do that. You were asked to come back and, and, and tell us who you talked to. Uh, so that's a really cool statistic to me. Um, 11 people uh, were enrolled in one-on-one discipleship in 2021. Uh, 17 people went through a training on how to disciple someone else. And some of the ones who uh, were discipled this year were a direct result of people that the ones discipled in 2020 who they had reached, right? So the people in 2020 were discipled. They shared the gospel. This year, those people, those converts were discipled, which is really cool. Um, we've talked about Fellowship Gives, right? We issued that challenge. Uh, this year, we saw a $22,000 increase in tithes and offerings just in that specific category, right? $22,000 increased. Uh, so you guys may remember we raised over 30000 for a van in one day. Well, actually, like two hours. Um, our missions giving 
uh, for 2021 uh, was $800 more than last year. We raised $63,248 for uh, local and foreign missions. Um, and we spent over $7,000 in addition to that, $7,000 in community and member assistance, which allowed us to do some really cool things that I want to share with you. So we were able to help the Hammond House, which is a house for uh, uh, women, uh, abused women who, uh, who need a place to live. Uh, we were able to buy, give them Bibles and supplies. Uh, we were able to help with the funeral expenses for a few people this year. Um, we were able to help with bills for a few people. We helped feed a lot of people with groceries, and we did grocery gift cards. Uh, so when people came to the office and they were hungry, we were able to give out tons of grocery gift cards. Uh, we were able to buy uh, some supplies and needs for some uh, NISD students. Uh, we gave out, uh, you guys may remember this, we gave out a ton of gift cards at the NISD Health Fair. Uh, this year, we were able to go and represent fellowship in that way, uh, and a lot of people uh, were really excited about being able to get those gift cards. Uh, we started, some of you may not even know this, we started a new backpack buddy ministry this year with Langham uh, to feed kids on the weekends. You know, the school provides lunch Monday through Friday, the kids go home, they don't have lunch, and so we've been able to uh, do this backpack ministry where we supply meals for Saturday and Sunday uh, so they don't go hungry. Uh, we took on 24 kids uh, to do that. Uh, we were able to bless families who were uh, in the hospital or sick at home with meals and other essentials, bless families who lost loved ones with meals and other essentials, and we did a really cool thing. Uh, many of you know Kristen Gidry got COVID, and uh, man, she, she is a walking miracle, uh, and we were able to go and build a ramp at her house so that she could uh, get into her house. Uh, and all of that is because you gave, right? Because Fellowship gives, we can do really cool stuff like that. None of that would be possible if people didn't give. Uh, and so thank you for that. We also issued the challenge to go, right? So what did that look like for us this year? Uh, again, our missions giving uh, was more than what it has been in the past. Um, we did a trip to Honduras where eight people went and flew to Honduras and did a mission project there. Uh, dug a well. Uh, you guys may remember that. Uh, and while they were there, again, uh, we raised uh, over $5,000 within a day. Uh, to, to be able to help finish a church building that was there, um, which is really cool. Uh, and they've been sending us videos as they've been doing construction, and so we'll keep posting some of those on Facebook. Uh, we added five new projects to support. We took on uh, the Golden Triangle Baptist Network. We took on the Hope Pregnancy Crisis Center in Beaumont as a place to support. We started supporting Mission Arlington, which is where our students go every year. Uh, we took on uh, Braveheart Community Church uh, and supported them. Uh, and we, we added a new missionary named Jason Johnson to Canada, which is a total of 40 projects that we support as a church uh, in 2021. Uh, we did some outreach stuff uh, this year. Uh, if you guys may remember, we did Passion Week, and we went out and knocked on a bazillion doors and handed out like uh, over 2,000 flyers, uh, just knocking door to door. Uh, we did the 4th of July hot dog thing where we gave people hot dogs like force people to take hot dogs. We had so many hot dogs. Uh, people were like, all right, we're done. No more hot dogs. Leave us alone. Uh, we gave Langham teachers. This was a cool thing that we were able to do. Uh, at the beginning of the school year, I was able, our staff was able to go to Langham Elementary, and we were able to uh, provide breakfast for them at their very first staff meeting of the year. Uh, and then I got to pray with them as a staff, and we uh, gave them each a little gift card to help with their uh, classroom supplies and was able to, put my business card in their hand and say, hey, as you have needs for your students, let us know, right? Uh, really cool thing that we were able to do. Uh, we did a block party at Herman Park and a fall festival at Herman Park. 
uh, and saw a lot of increase from the block party to the to the Halloween deal. Um, we were able to do Mid County Madness where we gave out uh, a whole bunch of links uh, as people were going to the football game there. Uh, we gave out hero masks at National Night Out. Um, we handed out over 3,000 pounds of candy. Uh, yeah, lots and lots of candy. I think uh, every kid in Nederland probably got like three pounds of fruit chews thanks to our church. Um, and over 1,700 people attended our Trunk or Treat where we were able to hand out all that candy. Um, and then we did a whole bunch of laundromat outreaches where we actually went out and shared the gospel with people uh, as well as took a whole Sunday morning during growth group hour and, and went out and did that. Uh, so 2021 was an incredible year. You know, there's a lot more stuff that I could go over, but we'd be here all day listening to numbers, and I know not everybody is enthused about numbers as I am. Uh, but but 2021 was an awesome year, and, it's, uh, and we could look back at that and say, we did it. It was awesome. We did. We, we had a great year. We accomplished so much. Go us, pat ourselves on the back, go home, and that'd be it, right? We could do that. And how many churches have you been that do exactly that, right? You go to, their, go to the church and like, well, back in our heyday, man, this church used to run a bazillion people. And we did all kinds of stuff in our community. And we had such an impact. We were reaching young families. We were preaching truth. Uh, but now that church is like a shell of what it used to be. I mean, how many churches have you been to that are like that? And I didn't want us to review 2021 to give us an opportunity to pat ourselves on the back. That was not the purpose of all of that. I wanted to review 2021 to burden us with the fact that there is still so much left to do. As much as we saw God do in 2021, there is so much more left to do. You guys remember the uh, movie Forrest Gump, right? The really funny movie, yeah. Um, so you guys remember the running scene where he decides he's just, for no apparent reason, he's going to run to the end of the street and then he's going to run down to the around the block, and then he ends up running across the nation like three or four times. There's, at the end of it, that running scene, there's um, this dialogue that takes place. You know, he's running, and uh, he's been on TV and all kinds of stuff. He's got this, this group of hippies following behind him. And uh, he says, I had run for three years, two months, 14 days, and 16 hours. And then it cuts to him running, he says, I'm pretty tired. I think I'll go home now, right? And uh, I, there's this guy that's with him, and or one of the guys that's in the crowd behind him says, what, what are we supposed to do? And uh, and, he, and it cuts back to just him in his dialogue. He says, and just like that, my running days was over, right? And uh, yeah, you, you didn't realize I was so talented, did you? Uh, I think church can get like that sometimes, Right? We get tired of running, we get tired of being challenged, we get tired of being intentional, we get tired of being missional, we get tired of the Great Commission, and for whatever reason, we just stop. And Jesus says in Matthew 9 that the harvest is plentiful. The harvest is plentiful. The call to make disciples isn't a short-term mission, it's a lifelong call. For us as a church, the call in our lives is not, hey, when it's convenient, or when you have the energy, or when you like it, make disciples. No, the call on our lives is a lifelong call. It's, hey, your responsibility until the day that you die is to run the race and make disciples. That's the call that God has placed on our lives. We're never done. There's no finish line until we die and enter into our reward. And that's the point that Paul's making in our text this morning. And so 
Let me kind of set up some context before we get into the passage. Paul's addressing wrongdoing in the church, right? Sometimes people in the church, they fall, they fail, they sin, right? And he says, what you need to do is restore that person. If that person falls, they sin, you restore them. And then he talks about carrying one another's burdens. That The idea of carrying one another's burdens means that if you have a brother who struggles with sin, you carry that burden with them. You help them through that situation, right? You don't judge them. You help them through it. You walk, through with, uh, walk them through overcoming sin and temptation. Then he transitions into the idea that we can get prideful and think that we're better than we really are, right? We can look at people who stumble within the church and think, man, at least I ain't as bad as that person, right? We can get this kind of haughty perception of ourselves and think, man, I am way better of a Christian than that dude. And, and, and Paul's speaking against that, right? Uh, and, and then he says every person needs to examine his own work. Don't compare yourself to other people. Your walk with Christ, your holiness, your righteousness, the way that you live your life has nothing to do with anybody else other than you and Christ. right? So don't look at other people and think, well, at least I'm not as bad as that person. No, look at Christ. Are you, have you elevated that part, that part? And if you say yes, you are crazy because that's not true. Right? You, you, you fail in comparison to Christ. And so there's always room to grow. All right? And so that's kind of where we're going to pick up this morning. Galatians 6, ver- 6 verse 7, he says, Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a person sows, he will also reap, because the one who sows to his flesh will reap destruction from the flesh, but the one who sows to the Spirit will reap eternal life from the Spirit. Let us not get tired of doing good, for we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us work for the good of all, especially for those who belong to the household of faith. All right, so three points this morning, and then we're done. Um, The first point is spiritual cause and effect. Right, that's the first thing we see in verse 7, spiritual cause and effects. He says, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a person sows, he will also reap. Right, this is basic cause and effect. Right, we understand this. Whatever you sow, that's what you reap. Right, you've ever planted a garden, you get that. Uh, Becca and I planted a garden uh, a long time ago. It was wildly unsuccessful. We planted some jalapenos, some banana peppers, some cucumbers. Uh, and we never reaped a large amount of anything. Uh, we did. We got a few peppers. I think we uh, had like a hundred thirteen dollar bell pepper. Uh, you know what we never had though? Strawberries. You know why? Because we didn't plant strawberries, right? It's logical conclusion, right? It makes sense. If you if you plant jalapenos, if you do a good job, you should get jalapenos, right? You're not going to get strawberries if you don't plant strawberries. It's, it's, it's the logical conclusion. And that's the point that Paul is making. This is such a logical argument. You, you, you think it, would have, it could go unsaid, but obviously it needs to, uh, that we need this reminder. Paul says, don't be deceived. In other words, it's possible for you to mess this up. Right? Don't be deceived. Communicates to us, this is possible for you to get this wrong. Right? So don't mess it up. As logical of an argument as this is, it still needs to be said, don't be deceived. Listen to what Jesus tells some Jewish leaders in John 8, verse 44. He says, you are of your father the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he tells a lie, he speaks from his own nature because he is a liar 
and the father of lies. Here's what I want you to understand this morning. There is a deceiver and you can be deceived. There is a deceiver and you can be deceived. You can have this wrong. You can see this through a a, a blurred lens and have it all messed up. That's the point that Paul's trying to make. He says, don't be deceived. Make sure that you're seeing this through the right lens. Make sure you get a good perspective. You can easily be tricked into believing the illogical idea that your behavior has no connections to your eternal destiny. That's an illogical argument, right? That I can live my life however I want to live. I can sow into the things that I want to sow in, and it has no implications on my eternal destination. Paul's saying, no, that's not true. Whatever you sow, that's what you're going to reap. Paul says, God is not mocked. Whatever you invest in, that's what you'll reap. Now, we can take this too far, too, right? What about Ephesians 2, 8, and 9? For you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It's a gift of God, not from works, so that no one can boast. There's got to be a balance in this, right? Your eternal destination is not earned by your works, but your works are an indication of your eternal destination. You see the difference there? Do you see how that works? Listen to this. Titus 2.14, Paul says, He gave Himself, talking about Jesus, He gave Himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to cleanse for Himself a people for His own possession, eager to do good works. So there it is. Jesus does the work in us. And if, big if, if we are His, if we've been redeemed by Jesus from all lawlessness and have been made eager to do good works, that changed nature reveals the sincerity of our faith. You see how that works? That's that's the correlation between works and faith, right? Salvation is through faith. But if you surrender to Christ in faith, there will be works. So if there are no works, then your faith was not real. Because if your faith is real, the Holy Spirit comes in and dwells within you and makes you into a new creation. Your life will be radically different. So you can't say, hey, I'm going to live my life like the rest of the world and live how I want to live. And there's no eternal implications to that because Paul's saying, no, that's not how it works. What you sow your life into, that's what you'll reap. What we sow matters. Because what we sow is what we reap. Don't let anyone convince you otherwise. That's the point that Paul's trying to make. Don't be deceived. Don't believe this lie. You can't call yourself a believer and yet live like an unbeliever. It just doesn't work that way. If you're sowing seeds of apathy or lawlessness, you'll reap your reward for that. And if you're sowing seeds of love for God and righteousness, you reap your reward for that. But what is the reward for those? What's the inevitable effect of those two lives. That leads us to the next point, fruit of spiritual cause and effect. Verse 8. This is because the one who sows to the flesh will reap destruction from the flesh, but the one who sows to the Spirit will reap eternal life from the Spirit. I told you all about Davis hiding food in our house a while back. He went through this weird phase where he didn't want to eat what we had. Uh, or he wanted the dessert uh, that we were having for that night. We, the rule is no dessert without eating your food. So come to find out, he's he's hiding food like all over the house, uh, so that so that he can get away with uh, 
with, with getting dessert. You know, everybody finishes. He's still at the table crying that he don't want to eat. Next thing we know, he's miraculously done. I finished it. And then you find a cheeseburger next to the wash machine in between the wash machine and the wall. Yeah. Um, so after the first time, uh, I emphatically told him, if you do this again, I'm going to spank your butt. I need you to know this. Look at me in the face right here. Look, pay attention. If you do this again, the consequence will be that I will spank your butt. You need to know that. So then he does it again. And I was like, there it is. You did it. The consequence is I'm going to spank your butt. Go back to the go back to the to, to my bedroom, right? And then he wanna acts he wants to act like he's totally surprised. Like, no, Dad, don't spank me. Why would you spank me? Like, I told you the, the, the implications of this decision, the consequence of this decision is I will spank your butt. That's that's how it works, right? It's natural cause and effect. You do this thing, this is the consequence, right? That's the point that Paul's making here, that there are consequences to our lives. Paul gives us clear fruit from this spiritual cause and effect. He says, if you sow to your flesh, if you live for yourself, if you live to gratify your fleshly desires, you will reap destruction. That's the fruit of living in the flesh. That's the fruit of living for self. Paul tells the Philippians the same thing. In chapter 3, verse 18, he says, For I have often told you, and now say again with tears, that many live as enemies of the cross of Christ, and their end is destruction, their God is their stomach, their glory is their shame, and they are focused on earthly things. What's he saying? If you choose self over, over God, and again, Paul says, don't be deceived. In other words, it's possible for you to not see it. If you choose self over God, your end is destruction. That's the natural cause and effect. Lawlessness which is rebellion against God, earns for itself eternal death and destruction. Basic cause and effect. And what's crazy is most people will choose that path. Most people will choose that path. Matthew 7, 13, enter through the narrow gate. For the gate is wide, the road broad, that leads to destruction. And there are many who go through it. How narrow is the gate and difficult the road that leads to life and few find it. Those are the words of Jesus. He says, look, don't be misled. Most people are going to choose the wrong path. Most people are going to choose this wide road, this wide gate that leads to destruction. So in other words, don't quickly try to disassociate yourself with that group. It's not just those pesky, God-hating liberals that are going to go through the wide gate. It's people in the church. People who profess with their lips that Jesus is Lord, but their lives obviously tell a different tale. It's people that say, I know God's Word says this, but I'm going to do my own thing anyway. That's a heart of rebellion. And if that's your heart, your heart is rooted in lawlessness and you have rejected Jesus as Lord. You've rejected Jesus as King. And listen, if Jesus is not your King, Jesus is not your Savior. If Jesus is not your King, Jesus is not your Savior. That's how this works. Natural 
cause and effect. Paul says those who are focused on self, those who sow in the flesh, those who are going to those people are going to reap eternal destruction. But here's the good news. Those who have surrendered in faith to Jesus and made him the king of their hearts. Those who sow in the spirit, those people will reap eternal life. And as Jesus said, a life abundant. An abundant life. So how do we go from talking about how awesome 2021 was to this? What's the correlation here? That's what we're going to get into next. What's the application, right? The application of spiritual cause and effect. Look what he says in verse 9. Let us not get tired of doing good, for we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us work for the good of all, especially for those who belong to the household of faith. When I went to college, I did it a little bit later in life. Uh, Beck and I were already married. I already had two kids. And I had set the goal, like, I want to graduate before I'm 30, right? And I graduated just barely before I was 30. But when I did graduate, or when I was in, in college, uh, there was this really awesome website. And I think that it probably still exists, or at least something that's similar, uh, called Pick a Prof. And so you can log into this website. And you can see what other students have said about the professors at your school, right? So you can see, does this professor issue a ton of homework? Is he, does he count absences? Is he nice? Is he mean? What, how, how does he relate to students? That kind of stuff. So you can look into that, and then you can make your decisions based off of that information, right? So now you have this information that other students have rated this professor, and then you can make your decisions based off of that information. And let me tell you, I was incredibly thankful for that information, right? Because who wants to go to the professor that issues a bunch of homework for the sake of issuing a bunch of homework? And who wants to go to the professor who counts absences when you can, if I've got the information in my head, why do I want to go and, and, and sit in, in the class when I can just take the test and the final at the end and be good, right? So I personally was very thankful for Pick a Prof. Uh, website. Um, and so once you find the information, you do something with the information. That's Paul's point, right? Given the fact that what you reap is what you sow, the natural decision is to not grow weary of doing good. Given the fact that you look at this basic cause and effect, right? If I live my life for the glory of God, there's blessing, there's eternal life. If I live my life for self, there's destruction, right? And so what's the natural decision with that information? I'm going to live my life for the glory of God. Right? As a Christian, because of what the Holy Spirit has revealed to me, because of the fact that I can see the reality of the world that I live in and, and, and the goodness of God and the destruction and, 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 and the stuff that sin brings into our life, man, I'm going to choose to live my life for the glory of God, and I'm not going to grow weary of that. I'm not going to get tired of living for the glory of God because that's where life is found, right? Because if you endure, you'll reap your reward. If you endure to the end, you reap your reward. Hebrews 12.1, Therefore, since we also have such a large crowd of witnesses surrounding us, let us, uh, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that lies before us keeping our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. The joy that 
lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The writer of Hebrews says, lay aside the hindrances that entangle us and run with endurance by keeping our eyes on Jesus. How many times do we talk about that in 2021? The importance of elevating our focuses off our circumstances of life and focusing ourselves on Jesus and the eternal reward of our salvation. This whole thing is about Him. He's our example. Run like He ran to the end. Run with endurance. Don't get tired. Why? Because our endurance to the end reveals the authenticity of our faith. When we endure to the end, that reveals the authenticity of our faith. If we give up and walk away and reap in the flesh, then our faith was never real to begin with. That's why Paul says, if we don't give up. The implication is that if you do give up, then that reveals the true character of your faith. Paul says, therefore, because of the reward given to those who endure, as we have opportunity, let us work for the good of all, especially to those who belong to the household of God. So because of the reward given to those who endure, continue to work. Don't get tired of doing good. Keep on keeping on. That's the point that I'm trying to make this morning. 2021 was great. God was glorified in much of what we accomplished as a church. But don't get tired. Don't quit. Don't live in past successes. Keep on keeping on. Right? Sometimes our relationship with Christ kind of ebbs and flows. Right? Keep your focus on Christ. Don't give up. Don't go weary of doing good. Don't Thank all, oh man. This 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 life lived for God it just gets so hard. No, no, live for the glory of God because that's where life is found. He offers the abundant life. Don't get tired. Don't quit. Don't get sidetracked. Keep on keeping on. Let's keep our collective foot on the gas in 2022. Let's do even more, not so that we can pat ourselves on the back. We get to the end of 2022 and think, man, look what we've done. But so that God can be glorified. So we can make famous the name of Christ in our community and in our world. Let's engage in deeper Christ-centered community. Let's mature even greater in our knowledge of God and ability to carry out His will. Let's sacrifice even more of our time and energy to building the kingdom. Let's sacrifice even more of our financial resources to build the kingdom. Let's go and tell even more neighbors about Jesus and send even more missionaries to foreign lands and go ourselves on more mission trips to invest in the lives of others. Listen, the temptation is to grow weary of doing good. That's why, that's why Paul speaks to this. Like you've got to know that it is possible for you to grow weary in your walk with Christ. And Paul says, don't grow weary. Because if you sow in the flesh... The reward for that is eternal destruction, but if you sow in the Spirit, the reward for that is eternal life. Keep on keeping on. The Christian life is not a one-and-done thing. It's a marathon. You keep on keeping on. Would you stand with your head bowed and your eyes closed?
Here's the challenge. In 2022, keep taking the next step. Don't stop. Keep taking the next step. If you've never given your life to Christ, you've never surrendered to Him, you never put your faith in Him, that's, that's the first step. Do that. Maybe God's been speaking to you this year and revealing Himself to you this year. Finally, just lay it down. Stop holding on and holding on to your sin. Just repent of the sin. Lay it down. Give your life to Christ. There's no greater decision. If you've already done that, maybe you've just been kind of coming and checking out the services. Let 2022 be the year that you take that next step. Join a church family. It doesn't have to be fellowship. Go wherever you want to go. But go to a place that preaches the truth and will help you grow in your faith, help challenge you to keep taking steps. And for you, that's fellowship. We would love to have you as part of our family. Get in a growth group. Maybe you've joined, but you've not gotten in a growth group yet. Get into that smaller group so that there's deeper growth and accountability. You can come into this room and blend into the shadows. Nobody knows if you're here or not. You'll get in a group where there's 15 people in the room. Someone's going to call you when you miss and be like, hey, you sick? What's going on? Right? You need that deeper accountability in your life. Something's going on in your life. You've got a community where you can have someone speak truth in your life. If you're in a growth group, start giving your time and resources. Right? There's a call for the Christian life to be givers, right? to sacrifice for the cause of Christ. So give of your time. Get involved in some ministry. Give of your resources so that you can be part of what we're doing in 2022. If you're doing that, look, look for ways to go. hundred and something people were trained last year to go. Don't just be here as the word, be doers. Go. Tell your neighbors about Jesus. Tell your coworkers about Jesus. Have those spiritual conversations. Look for ways to go. Get involved in the laundromats. We got two mission trips coming up in 2022. Sign up for one of them. We got discipleship training. Get involved so that you can be equipped to go live out the mission that God has given us. That's the challenge this morning. Wherever you're at on that spectrum, take the next step in 2022. Take the next step. Don't grow weary in doing good. Don't get stagnant. Take the next step. Here in a minute, the band's going to sing. You're going to have an opportunity to respond however God's leading you. The altars will be open. You can come and pray. If you need to talk to someone, there'll be people standing on the sides with lanyards. Uh, who would love to talk to you about any decision you want to make. By God, we thank you for an abundant year. We thank you for using us, equipping us. God, we, we don't deserve to be redeemed. We don't deserve to be used by you. We don't deserve salvation. And yet, not only do you save us, but you call us in sons and daughters and you equip us and you send us to build your kingdom. What a humbling task that we've been given. 
God, I pray that we would do it. We wouldn't just be hearers of these words, but we would be doers. That as we've been sent, that we would actually go. We wouldn't grow weary in doing good. We wouldn't be deceived by thinking that we could just live apathetic, lawless lives apart from You and think that we're going to stand before You one day unjudged, but that we would recognize that the Spirit lives inside of us, that that will produce fruit. So God, I pray that we would assess ourselves, that we would walk in the Spirit, in the power of the Spirit, in the strength of the Spirit, as we go out and live on mission for You, that we would walk in the freedom that the Spirit gives. God, we pray that You would be glorified in us and through us in 2022 collectively as a church, but also individually as a people. I would pray that you would move and that you would pray. Thank you so much for listening, and we always welcome you to join us at Fellowship Church in Nederland, Texas, where we gather, grow, give, and go.